Hello. Hello. I'm Justin. I'm Allison. And this is Robots on Typewriters, episode number 154. And it's a very special episode this week. It's a very special episode. <laughs> this week we're going to talk about drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a PSA episode. We we hope you're ready. Uh, maybe sit down, get get your family members all around for this one. Get your children, uh, your parents. We're assuming this is a multi-generational household. Uh, yes. But no, we actually have a friend with us today. We have a guest. Yeah, that's right. We have Nat Talzin from Botnik joining us on the show today. Hi, Nat. Hi. He did play himself in. Uh, <laughs> that wow, was beautiful. I didn't think we would actually get a musical cue there. How lucky are we? <laughs> yeah, I tried to keep the ukulele off frame. Very, very what a good. Beautiful very surprise. Good. Physical joke me. and audio joke. <laughs> yeah, of course. We're so happy to talk to you. Um, we have been longtime fans of Botnik. Uh, long, long time fans. We have even written a, a joke or two that we've thrown to you guys back in the day, I think, when in some of your writing jams. And we have been fans of your work for forever. So we're so happy to have you on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I remember it was a lot of fun in those early days when we were doing the nightly jams and we had a lot more uh, people who were sort of satellite loosely involved with the studio who were regularly involved. Now uh, everyone uh, has forgotten about us, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I like to think this podcast was kind of like our plan C that like originally we like downloaded the old whatever the Botnik like Python script was and we're like really trying our best to make it work on our computers and <laughs> struggling. And then we were like, oh, like Botnik's kicking off now. We can like write jokes for them now and then. And then that, I don't know, we kind of fell out of the habit of doing that and just made this podcast instead. But like Botnik was like our plans A and B. I really like, and, and uh, by the way, I was not joking, actually, I was uh, joking earlier, we're actually incredibly popular, but um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're both uh, have always been popular and are somehow back, you know, uh, we're back. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But we also never left, so it's, it's kind it's of- It's like when Coke Classic came back after New Coke, where it's like, it's the thing everyone already loves and somehow it's new again. Right, and it's somehow mm -hmm. it's better. It's, it's the thing you always yeah. loved, but somehow better, but nothing's changed. Um, and yes, that's where exactly. that's where we are right now. Yeah, we like to think of ourselves as the new Coke yes. for you. That we came out with a <laughs> shittier, watered down product, so Botnik could shine even brighter. Wow, um, that's generous. <laughs> I was going to say that I like what you guys do in this podcast because uh, I think, um, like, applications is what I'm most interested about in in terms of like uh, using machine learning technology using uh you know something as simple as a markov chain like the you know voice box keyboard is not terribly complicated but using something like that I, I'm, I'm much more interested in like you know how do we bring what are the new ways in which we bring this into the real world or like what are the applications on which like when you're dealing with something that's slightly uncanny um where having a little bit of weirdness to it actually makes it feel more real um, you know, for, for me, the example I always use is the Coachella poster that we did. I really love because mm -hmm. it, it's, it is exactly how I feel when I look at any music festival <laughs> poster and I don't know the names of any of the bands, but they all could be bands. <laughs> For so, sure. Oh, yeah. Every time I see one now, every time I see a real music festival poster, I have to check if it's a Botnik creation or not because that, yeah. I mean, it me was too. Just too. Too real. <laughs> and I work here. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, like I loved your, uh, your Yule Lads. I felt like that was a real yeah, yeah. Um, made for machine learning uh, sort of designation. Yeah. 
We love finding those things that are like, this is such a silly thing that exists in the world already that it's so absurd that like no one could even tell you right or wrong if it is actually a thing. Yeah, or something that has like a slightly, and I know that with the Yule Lads, I think it was because it was partially because it's translated from a, a, a language where, yeah, true, where, yeah. where things fall a little differently on the ear. But um, I think it has... So things that have a slightly awkward or like unfamiliar syntax to them or like a weird order of adjectives or something like that. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone about the, there's a restaurant in the East Village in New York called Ukrainian East Village Restaurant, which I always, <laughs> it's just one of my nice. favorite order of word choices. That is very good. It's a good restaurant. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you haven't realized, Nat is our hat this week. Um, this is, the, yeah. he, he is the whole hat. I'm honored. Um, we normally more. have two segments on this show. We normally like, <laughs> so we, we, we kind of skipped our intro, but we like to, oh, we, we like to talk about computational creativity on this show as we have already been talking about. And we normally have the two segments, the zesty hat, where we highlight some computational creativity that other people are getting up to, and that's just any any kind of using computers for creative means, uh, creative ends even. Creative memes. But we also have our uh, our other segment, the Trashy Toy, where we play a game of our own creation using computational elements. But yeah, like Allison said, we don't always uh, have to bring a hat. Sometimes our hat is a person, and sometimes, sometimes our, our person is us. Nat. So yeah, we basically just wanted to use the the zesty hat this week as a segment to like talk more about Botnik and uh, yeah. talk more to Nat. So. I think I Allison's probably more ready for that than me. <laughs> I was interested to know how you got involved with Botnik, because I my understanding is you've been there kind of from the the very beginning or the early beginning. I think or? like week three or something. I okay. joined like when they were doing like we were talking about those early days when it was just open jam, like before we mm-hmm. sort of solidified who the group was gonna be. Um I knew CEO Jamie Brew went to uh Brown University with my brother and he wrote for uh, the Brown Noser, which is like Brown's, you know, satirical student newspaper, um, and then went on to write for The Onion. And so my brother connected us at some point. And then when I was hosting my old uh, sketch variety show, The Moon, which was the show I did for five years, like right out of college, I, we performed at Brown and uh, his sketch troupe performed with us, I believe. And then he came when he was in New York, like did some stuff. And then anyway, we had, we had done like a, a couple of different comedy events and even one uh, comedy tech event uh, that I had referred him to, which was uh, this this thing in New York called Comedy Hack Day, which was a sort of a comedy tech app building con- competition. And uh, Jamie and I had both done that. And so anyway... Um, a lot of like crossover in the comedy and tech world there. So uh, he brought me into the like early jams and it was very awkward to write with the tools at first, but I think once it clicked, uh, I realized it was something I wanted. I like, I was like, Oh, this is really stimulating. And I was, so I was like working that into my like writing schedule and stuff. And I think just by virtue of um, getting involved a lot there, that's how I ended up, uh, <laughs> ended up being a permanent member. Yeah. That's always been one of the best parts of, Botnik's voice box to me that like the the UI is just so simple to use that like mm-hmm. we always try to get people who listen to this show like to get more involved in computational creativity themselves and like we let people know like a lot of the tools out there and we always point to Botnik as like a, a primary tool in this category are not made for you know computer programmers they're made for anyone who wants to just go uh, go mess around and do something do something fun yeah. and goofy and like the computer will handle its hard part and you can just focus on like the fun creative part 
Yeah, super accessible. Yeah, and I think, you know, I would encourage anyone who is interested in it, you know, I, I think that some people do have a bit of a valley between enjoying one of our projects and then being like, oh, let me click the button that spits that out. And they go, wait, how come that doesn't work? And we are, you know, we have a pretty strong group of comedy writers who collaborate on every project. So anything you're reading is not just written by, you know, someone who was like, you know, who current writers at like The Onion and Click Hole or, uh, you know, uh, people who are like New Yorker writers. It's not just one person. It's several of those people contributing little puzzle pieces together to a large mangled puzzle where we kind of forced some of the pegs in where they didn't quite fit but (laughs) that's a like you know it's that's a approach that you're not going to immediately be able to replicate unless you want to write with a group of friends so i think it takes a minute or two to learn to use the tools to like make to sound like in your own voice or to to use them in a way that you think is fun but i would encourage anyone who's listening to you know play around with it for like 10 or 15 minutes and, you know, keep a Google Doc open next to it, copy and paste, you know, the things that you think are kind of funny and then just keep starting over again. Because it usually takes me a few tries to even, you know, get going or find, oh, okay, so this is the kind of vocabulary that's available in this particular voice, or this is a kind of thing that would be funny in this character's uh, slightly fragmented voice. I think that's what I also loved about those early writing jams was how it was just everybody kind of on their own writing, just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and then um, seeing what you guys or whatever team of, you know, people was editing that together behind the scenes cobbled together out of this like collaboration of a bunch of people throwing out things they thought was funny. It felt very like convivial and it was just a super fun, exciting thing to, to watch go on. Yeah, finding that single voice, like doing the editing work of like finding, first of all, the the fragmented voices of like a computer helping all these people make something that's not even their own voice. And then all of those things coming together. And then, yeah, the the editing to make that a single voice was always a really cool way of, yeah, if, if you saw how the sausage was made, it was like, wow, this this sausage has a lot <laughs> of stuff cool in it. How did they get it all in the casings? <laughs> yeah, I think that's been an interesting creative challenge as we've sort of you know, okay, we're learning to function as a creative studio over the past several years. And, you know, how do we approach client work? How do we approach projects for the web? And part of that is essentially developing a writing process that works for our method, rather than trying to force our method of writing into a traditional, uh, you know, editing process, we kind of had to have had to find structured ways to write longer pieces with sometimes you know not the entire group of writers sometimes we have a team of three writers and one editor and you know how do we how do we use this somewhat chaotic somewhat randomized writing process where it's 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 you know it's hard if you're trying to force voice box to say the exact thing you wanted to say then you shouldn't be using voice box you have to relinquish control for a little bit and I think, you know, it's like doing an improv scene where, like, if you are trying to control what the other person says and not listening, you might as well just not be doing improv. So it is a similar thing where you, where once you learn to let it steer a little bit as well, you'll be a better writer. But functionally, if you're trying to write a piece that is cohesively multiple paragraphs, you need a sentence at the beginning of the paragraph that just sets the scene, right? So how do you you know, how do you create a workflow where you end up writing the sentences that you need? Because sometimes you'll create something and there just will not be the connective tissue. And so that's been a really interesting challenge is like finding different structures of 
and like how targeted your writing can be and different different uh sort of configurations of writers and editors that can create longer pieces in uh you know in in that framework while still maintaining that sort of chaotic energy or and randomness to the way that the pieces are created I have a dual-pronged question. One, um, what has been your favorite project that the process was your favorite? Like, what was your favorite to, to be a part of, you know, writing or editing? And then what was your favorite, like, final product that you guys have put out? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think one of my favorite final products is the video that we did for College Humor about a year, unfortunately, before College Humor essentially closed <laughs> yeah. its doors and um you know was was defunded not not due to the talent yeah. involved unfortunately but um that was one of my favorite executions because it was a f- it felt like a full loop into like we brought something extant back into the world in the exact form that it was mimicking and you know yeah. a lot of a lot of what we like to do is sort of you know create this simulation of the thing uh that we had that we had drawn, you know, some, some, some of our products are, are, are sources that have nothing to do with the output. Right. Um, but some of them are, you know, the Harry Potter piece, for example, was based only on text from the Harry Potter books. And then the final product was made to look, you know, at first glance, have this uncanniness where, Oh, is that actually a page from, from a, a real book? That, and people, you know, often demand the real book and it's obviously <laughs> photoshopped, but the, the college humor video was shot, and performed by the actors who the videos you know who are in the videos that we had chopped up into uh character scripts and you know placed into each of their own voice box keyboards and written for so it was really really fun to see that and not just because we got to bring something back to life but because the people who act in those videos are so talented and so funny that they just made choices for every single nonsensical line that we gave them and if you watch that video there's not a single line where the actor doesn't have a perspective and some of the things that we said like there's one line where siobhan says it makes you an ad bot for car fucking and she says it to one of the other characters as if she's being like ruthlessly condescending (laughs) Like really <laughs> shutting her down, and I was like, "There's no reason. There's nothing in that line that makes it read as, uh, you know, condescending or aloof." And she, but she, you can just see that she made a choice because otherwise, you kind of go into bland robot voice for every uh, piece of dialogue. So yeah, that's probably my my favorite, uh, one of my favorite final products at least, because I think they just made did such an incredibly committed job to bringing it into existence. Yeah, I recently have gotten into like all of their stuff on Dropout and I ha- I went back and rewatched that video cuz I saw it when you guys put it out but I didn't really know any of those people and like and their work and going back and watching it I'm like man these people are like some of the funniest people alive they're just they're so good. Oh, they're great and, <laughs> and I think that some so of the some of their personality really came through. I think yeah. I think that one of we did the one of my favorite things that we like to do is on a project when you assign a group of writers uh, you know, when we did the Frasier script, for example, uh, I think three of the writers were big fans of Frasier and one had never seen it. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. we, it we like, like to have one mix. person. Yeah. yeah. So so I love the tradition of having one person on a project who is not familiar with the source material. And you need other people to keep that person in check in case they're saying something accidentally offensive or just like <laughs> doesn't read for 
character reasons, but um, having that person who has a vague impression of the subject matter is a very funny way. So I think on College Humor, um, at least some of the dialogue was written by someone who was not really a big fan of their videos, uh, but you still see the voices of the characters that at least, you know, the versions of themselves that they play in the originals. Um, you really see those voices come through, even in the dialogue written by someone who was, had not watched the originals, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, I think that's there. I think there's something to be said about um, beyond just that video, like any of the, the video productions that Botnik does, that there's kind of an extra element of humor of actually performing the text that like the 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 output from a, a writer and a keyboard is text, right? That there's the, the inputs text, the outputs text, but then there's kind of one extra step of translation to make that like a performed spoken text. So I think that always, there's always like a slightly different flavor between a, a botanic, uh, like a, a written piece, you know, a, mm -hmm. a picture you can look at with text on it versus something like that where it's being performed, it's being spoken. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because I think my answer to your other question of which was the most fun to write, I mean, there have been a, a ton of fun jams. It's really hard to isolate one. But I do think similarly to the way the video performs what you're saying, uh, we've had some live shows where we either bring uh, music that we wrote using voice box into reality or perform uh, different uh, different scripts or different... Uh, we did a sitcom script called The Family Show, which was based on dozens of different sitcom scripts. So so we would just have the character that was the dad, but was dialogue from dozens of different sitcom dads combined in voice box. Very good. So we had like average dad, average mom, average sister, mm -hmm. brother. And we wrote a sitcom pilot with that. And we did a live show where we performed that sitcom. On that show <laughs> was one of my favorite days because we, we all showed up that morning to do this shoot with, I don't know, I want to say... Some cable channel was was shooting a special with us, and uh, Jessica Chobot from G4 Tech TV was doing Botnik stuff with us, and we were showing them how we wrote the family show, and we did like a live writing jam in front of them. But then that night, we had to do that show at Baby Castles in New York, and we had the family show, but we were still working on the show, literally as they were recording us for this documentary slash laptop commercial or whatever we were in. <laughs> And I was I was on the hook to do yeah I was on the hook to do a one man speech at one point in the middle of the show that we had scheduled and I hadn't had a time a moment in the day to to finish writing that because we were on camera shooting this thing the whole time and then they would you know pull us aside for talking head stuff or they'd ask us questions about Botnik and so um, about an hour left before the show I went to a couple of our writers uh, uh, Michael Goodman and Grant Mullets were there. Um, and they were just hanging around for a moment while we were shooting. And so I was like, okay, guys, I found a big list of bachelor party speeches online and <laughs> I, I've got the speech partially written, but like, I need, I need a few more zingers. And so I just had them go in and do like, I had a voice box keyboard of all these bachelor party speeches, uh, or sorry, not bachelor party, best man speeches. Um, sure, yeah. It was, uh, it was a bachelor, but uh, best man speeches. And so what we did was uh, put together this speech where I changed after my uh, sitcom appearance into a suit and interrupted the show from the back, just screaming belligerently and like being the uh, AI best man. And we didn't introduce how the speech was written or anything, but I think that it was given the context of the show, everyone could tell exactly what like the, oh okay this is like a yeah a ai remixed character 
uh, that we can that just fits into this reality and we don't actually have to like you know know about the process at all but it was very funny it was one of those like writing up into the last moment um get these lines in and then i i had like i was memorizing it right before uh, i had to interrupt the show that's very fun and <laughs> <laughs> that it sounds scary too having yeah to, having I, that's to get, like filling me with panic like but. it's one thing like memorizing a script where like one word or line like feeds into the next one so you kind of you, you memorize at least the gist of the words but like when it's memorizing something like that that sounds like a, an entirely different process that was fun yeah i mean I have a history of playing stupid characters, so it's not <laughs> terribly far out of range, but you're right in that you can't wing these lines. You can't get the gist of it because part of the humor, yeah. like the line, I'm pretty sure the speech started with <laughs> started with him saying, excuses for me, excuses for me, because we couldn't get it to say, excuse me. And we were trying to get it to say something that would like get people's attention. And so I had to just say that, like I was saying, excuse me, uh, you know, I think that if you overemphasize what's wrong, you're kind of robbing it of the humor. And I think the humor lands better from like, oh, that landed on the ear correctly. And then the person's brain catches up for a second, goes, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, sure. yeah, you're totally right that memorizing or really performing a script like that, the fun of it is if you can really make it feel naturalistic and then the words that you are... In- intonating normally are nonsense or not nonsense but they're they're off yeah yeah uncanny yeah so another thing that kind of like caught my attention there so whenever i'm making games for this show i i kind of take some pride in the data sets i put together for this like i have a, a github page going now of like all these random like here's a list of like every like retail store in like malls and like stuff like that oh really? where like you it's like these these lists you have to like do a lot of work to put together. But when you said, I, I found this like data set or I, I found this list of uh, best man speeches, I was like, oh, wait. So like, is your writing process like, and maybe it's some of both or maybe it's more of one than the other, but is it more like, I have this idea for what I want the sound to be like. Now I have to go find or create a data set around this. Or is it like, if I stumble upon something that's like, that would make good source material to throw into a keyboard, then it's like, all right, now how can I use this? Like I have this, whatever this source material is, there's something in here, but I need to figure out a way to apply it. That's a really good question. It's kind of both. A lot of projects are, we find something that we want to recreate in the world that is, we go, I think we could find a source for that. And it's a, like a funny a funny repository for, for text or something that you would find or make recognizable. Um, something as simple as boat names was one of my favorite projects that never fails to make me laugh. But um, there are times when one of us has stumbled upon... I'm trying to think of a specific project that came to be this way. It's kind of hard to remember how each project, what the uh, specific origin was. But sometimes one of us will find something strange while we're on the internet. Or, just, oh, there's a lot of fan fiction about yeah. this one thing. <laughs> or like, you know, you, you know when you find like a sort of web 1.0 repository of something on the oh, internet yes. and you're like oh wow there's someone <laughs> Wait, has web just... 1.0 repositories are the best because they don't have like all like they don't have a lot of formatting Easy they don't have a lot scraping. of context it just has the Easy text you scraping. need yeah <laughs> finally i've met someone who can relate to this very specific <laughs> complaint need. about the modern internet buddy it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of my day uh, <laughs> is spent uh pasting holding down shift to paste without formatting 
Uh, I'm hoping that that solves part of my problem. <laughs> Me and you both, brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, but also, also, I also think that culturally, there's something about Web 1.0 repository, and you know what I mean by that is like websites that are mostly like coded in HTML, and uh, but also there is definitely a culture to a message board of of that variety, either either you know from that era of the internet or or persisting since that era of the internet or for whatever reason just still uh functionally operating in the same uh way of that era of the internet where i think you know you're gonna you just will find uh deep veins of extremely specific information and so when when i stumble upon like a a new you know a, a website from before people were using the same four websites to archive everything um, like there's a reason this person isn't on Reddit and <laughs> they have made their own website for this. And yeah, so sometimes those someone in 1997 data made that. Yeah. 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 And the, the reason that those d- data selections, like the, ch- there's just choice being made. Like they, they end up being really good sources for, uh, yeah. for, especially for voice box, I think. Yeah. I would say our, our, uh, way of creating is much the same that like, a lot of times, yeah, we'll come up with the idea first and say, all right, now we need to go make this horrendous data set about this. But sometimes it is, yeah, you'll stumble. I think uh, Yule Lads was actually more of the latter, that it was like we stumbled upon people on Twitter or something talking about the Yule Lads. And we're like, all right, that's something that like already e- easy to find the list of. And now we can go. Yeah. Go make it. I'm looking at projects and trying to figure trying to figure out off the top of my head which came from from which direction and it's it's <laughs> yeah, genuinely yeah. hard to I think you know I think a lot of them you know for example did Frasier uh Frasier was well we've been recreating some TV shows what's a show that I think has a very strong voice that would lend itself to this Frasier okay what Frasier scripts are available online okay a limited few that were published in a book and then okay we can we get closed caption transcripts to sort of bolster the keyboards and we'll build the keyboards out like that. Um, that's like the usual. I would say that's like the most common workflow. But there, there is like we were discri- dis- discussing the like, I found a weird, uh, we did like the weed strains, for example. I'm pretty sure that's because someone was looking at a list of really f- like funny weed names. It was like, oh, I have the, it's in front of me. Okay, great. Like, you know, let's, let's make this right now. I love that too about the, the different ways the voice box is used sometimes that I think my introduction to it at least was seeing uh like it, it was normally early on on tumblr jamie like mashing together some like scripts and stuff like that but i think the some projects have been more like you said where it'll be like boat names or weed strains where it's like text that doesn't necessarily it's just a list like it's not like ideas flowing one to the next you so list. you can kind of go you can use the keyboard either way and like even with a list you can sometimes get like it's normally list in list out but you can almost make some sentences especially if you mix a list with like a with something that's like written as prose oh for sure and i think you know a lot of people uh, different people at botnik have different writing approaches and some people are much more like no you what you create has to be reproducible in the keyboard by a probability chain like you have to be able to click your way back to the sentence i'm less fastidious about this i think of these as creative tools that are designed to like create like uh, break up creative blocks and get you thinking in a way that you wouldn't think uh, normally, right? So if you have gotten to a point where I'm not saying you should like write the first half of a sentence in voice box and then finish it and say this is a, like finish it freehand and then say this is a voice box project necessarily. But if you're trying to write something that you like 
and you go, oh, I know the perfect way to end this sentence. Well, like, isn't the opposite of writing writer's block knowing the perfect thing to write? <laughs> you know, like, like isn't, isn't that the goal in writing to have the perfect way to end the sentence? Like, if you're feeling that, type that thing out. Uh, like, you know, when I was writing, we were doing, I don't know, Onion Headlines for a project, I think. And I would get halfway through and be like, oh, I know what the joke is here. But it's a joke I wouldn't have written if I didn't have the first half of it in voice box. So I think there's a lot of different ways that you can apply that. For projects that we publish as Botnik, I am a lot closer to the keyboard, I will say. Like, I, uh, I still go by the rule of I don't use words that aren't in the original source material. Like, if we're doing Frasier and there's just an adverb that hasn't come up, unfortunately, that does not make it into the script. And I'm not adding anything to really bolster that. But um, that's about the end of my, like, philosophy. Like, I'm all for hitting the shuffle button, using the saved yeah. words bar. Like, those are tools <laughs> yeah. that exist for a reason. And, like, you're saying for creating things that are not syntactic, right? You can still sort of use it like magnetic poetry, right? Okay, so I have a set of words mm -hmm. here, or I have two sets of words, and it's just a way of, you know, um, I think for Yule Lads, I, I know we keep harping on Yule Lads, everyone's favorite bit, but um, I, I mean, listeners, you gotta go back and listen to these fucking Yule Lads. <laughs> Can't get enough Yule Lads. I'm dying here. There just aren't enough of them. 13 is not enough. I need more. This is, I mean, and this is the Botnik philosophy. There's there's not enough of this one thing. Uh, what if we made several more uh, worse ones, obnoxious ones? But no, but I, I think that was one where you like combined occupations and something. And it's sort of more yeah, of a yeah. cut, like occupations with another source, I mean to say. And it's sort of a, more of a cut and paste process or like playing with puzzle pieces than it is like magnetic chains of probability. But yeah, I think I think that those are all ways of using the tool, and there's no real wrong way of using the tool. If, uh, especially with comedy, um, <laughs> especially with comedy, I think if the thing that you're making is making you laugh, then it's not wrong, right? Like, like there's no wrong way to use the tool if you're creating something that is demonstrably funny to you. So I think that to me is is the ultimate goal of these tools, and and that when you know when we are producing stuff as Botnik. I'm still like trying to use those tools in a way that's faithful to uh, like, this is something that could only be made with these tools. Yeah. We had Jonah Cooper on like, Oh, you know, Years a month ago. or 20 ago, <laughs> like, you know, probably in the before times, no, very, no. very long oh, ago, the before time. but we had the same discussion of like, what is your, like, uh, what is your ethics of the botnik keyboard? Like, can you type a word? Can you type a word, but you can only use it if it's in the keyboard. And I think oh, that's at least, at least you and I are the same that way of like, if you know the word that you really want, you can start typing it. But if it's not in the keyboard, you cannot use it. Against the rules, yeah. Yeah, yeah my feeling is that, and this is hyper-specific to anyone who uses our tools, but like, I don't know, I, I, like I was saying, like it takes a little while to get the hang of it, and I think these are good things to bear in mind if you're trying to get the hang of it. Um, is that if you find yourself shuffling, f looking for a word, like if you're clicking shuffle over and over again, just type the word in and see if it's in the keyboard. Because at that point, like, you're looking for a very specific you know, piece of connective tissue so that you can, and then, you know, if I, if I go and select a word, I try to click from the top results for the next few words and try to let some more randomness yeah. in, you know, or, or let some more probability in and less intention. But that's the thing where you've got to like, I think sort of seize and relinquish control to use the tool as best as possible. 
I want to kind of transition into our trashy toy segment here, if if we can. Um, I understand that, Nat, you've brought some content with you, I believe. I have. Um, we we <laughs> somehow made our guest do the work this week. We don't usually do that. Yeah, we have a but... favorite game that we used to play. We used to have like two games only, and one of them was called Real Net Nick. And it was just like we would have a guest or we would just play it with ourselves of like, have some things written that were real, some things written by a neural net. It used to be Charanen, then it was GPT-2, and then some things that were written collaboratively with a botnet keyboard. Uh, but then this week, Nat told us he had a bunch of stuff he made with a botnet keyboard, uh, but also or did GPT. You say GP- yeah, did you say GPT? Or, yeah, this or is a, GPT, right? So, yeah, I, I'm glad that we talked about Voicebox so much because I didn't use it for this project. But uh, <laughs> That's all right. This is, so this is, this is one of those projects where... Um, I find using a neural net is advantageous, kind of like the Coachella project, right? Where with Coachella, you could have created a keyboard with tons of band names and then put them together. And it'll often be pretty clear where the words came from because you recognize them from other band names, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To mimic the sort of like cool and stupid way that bands are named like you using the same words is not the best way to mimic that you want like an equivalent word that's equally cool and stupid or like oh yeah that that's a dumb thing to be called but i could totally see a band being called that <laughs> and so you know too close mimicry is is not going to have that that feeling it's not going to mimic that feeling as accurately as a more distant mimicry actually is going to be is going to feel more accurate so in in cases like that I feel like using a neural network is a great way of like bringing in outside word like sets of words. Yeah. But le- because it's much better at, at you know sort of inductively finding them through context rather than finding them through the uh, frequency of occurrence, for example, in the in the source text. So for when I for some projects like that, I've been playing around with using GPT two, and for this project, um, you know, as I said like to find these things that have a slightly uncanny quality to them. And what could be more uncanny than uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby's The X-Men, <laughs> the uncanny X-Men themselves? So true. Wasn't that a really good transition? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we, we played a lot of real Net Nick on this show, but never was, uh, first of all, never was Net and Nick the same thing. Like, never was it <laughs> neural network stuff made by someone from Botnik. And also, uh, never did we have superheroes, I don't think. Yeah, I don't remember I, ever I having to put together a superhero data set. Something like that. Yeah, I've kind of simplified your game by uh, neglecting to do one of the three things. And <laughs> No, it's great. That's yeah. perfect. It's now it's now <laughs> not that game, but a slightly it's just less a, detailed version of that real game. Net. <laughs> yeah. Nothing Re- but real net. We'll call Botnik. this one. Great. Real net does make real net. Yeah, so I haven't haven't done any happy. voice box X-Men. That would be fun to play with, but what I've done so far in this in this game um, is I have trained GPT-2 on a list of every X-Men, every mutant in the X-Men uh, universe. And uh, obviously, a lot of X-Men characters sound a little unbelievable already if you're not familiar with them. So I do have a list of real X-Men characters. And then I've used... I had this... Uh, so we had we, we trained GPT-2 on this list of all of the X-Men characters and then had them spit out a series of different temperature responses. So yeah. I, had, I did like a, like a one through five. And so some of the responses were 
pretty believable and then some of them are <laughs> full sentences or some of them are <laughs> um uh a little more out there and so what i've selected is I would say a, 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 a bunch of a bunch of different temperature responses sort of all mixed together. Cool. So you'll you'll have some that are more like and so I'm gonna read you uh, some real X Men or some AI sure. X Men. And uh, you gotta tell me what what you think they are, or Incredible. more importantly, what, what what do you think this character is really like? Whether they're I think really perfectly, right. me and Allison are not superhero people. I was just going yeah. to ask. You, I was like, Justin, how? Where do you stand on these guys? Because uh, I know maybe three. Yeah, I've oh, seen good. the the movies from like the last ten years, but that's about it. You, can you guys um, just for a sound check? Can you guys name some X Men for me? Yes. Let's go back and forth. Let's see where we leave <laughs> off. Uh, just, Justin, you start. Um, Magneto. Cyclops. <laughs> Raven, is she the one who was Storm? Jennifer Lawrence? Okay, this is <laughs> good. Naming this stuff. Is good. We're getting a real... Telephone. <laughs> yeah, telephone. you got a telephone. Uh, Professor X. Mm-hmm. Um, I swear. Oh, Beast. Okay, and I think the machine is calibrated. All right. We know <laughs> oh, how much we God. know about X-Men. I think that's a, that's a really good sample. Thank you, guys. I could not have named one more. You got just the right cutoff. Okay, now I'm just taking everything you said. I've put it in a neural network. All right, now let's see what it is. It's a list trained on the three X-Men we know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, go for it whenever you whenever you got them. Okay, all right. Your first one is Maggot. Is Maggot a real or AI X-Men? So uh, I immediately need a clarifying question before the first question. Uh, are like X-Men villains on this list? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, okay. Although, I would, although as a fan like... of the X-Men, I would tell you that uh, the real, the hero and villain paradigm is kind of outdated. And, uh, They're all morally yeah. gray. There's a lot I, of moral gray areas. I see is... everything in the world as a strict binary. Yeah, this is they're just like a persecuted <laughs> minority, like, you know, kind of a survival thing, you know, if you think about it. Um, I'm going to say Maggot. Maggot sounds like a real villain to me. I... I think this is like a gross, like, obviously, what would Maggot look like? Like a gross bug. It's just like a gross bug villain. Yeah, I it kind of strikes me at well, honestly, I'm going off of literally nothing here. I think because I don't like I don't consume a lot of superhero media, it sounds like like why would somebody make maggot? That's gross and weird. <laughs> so, it I'm if I'll split the vote and say it's not real. Oh, I'm sorry, Justin wins. Maggot is real. Oh. Uh, but maggot is do? not uh, a villain or a bug creature. Maggot is He's a just a janitor. No, he's a guy <laughs> whose uh his mutation is that his digestive system is actually two large maggots. That go oh. outside of his body and consume things, and then give him what the, the nutrients. What the fuck are you talking about? Is that is like, not real. You've just lied. I'm not. I, that is a very real. Th- that's he why doesn't this like stop crimes or anything. He's more just like an interesting <laughs> tidbit in like the New England Journal of Medicine. You're like, what is he doing? Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> find that do? a lot of me- X Men characters are not really superheroes. They're more like uh, they're just weirdos who exist. Yeah, they're just sort of guys him. who are making the best of of what yeah. happened to them. That's kind of cute. Yeah. I think that's kind of my understanding of like the X-Men though. Cause I, we one time had some like punch up, you know, riff on X-Men uh, on another podcast project. And it was mostly just like some weirdos. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's, well, I mean the, the, the oh, main weirdos. X-Men, the ones that you guys yeah. named are like the more cosmetically appropriate X-Men. And there's, there's a lot of people whose mutations are not <laughs> cosmetically <great>. inappropriate X-Men. <laughs> there are some cosmetically. Like maggot. Like maggot. Rough time going outside in public. This is yeah okay. This is really throwing me. All right, right how about at the this start. one? Uh, nugget. 
nugget. No. <laughs> that one's got to be fake. Okay, I shouldn't have said it after Well, Meg. okay, now because we've started with Maggot, I'm assuming that all X-Men, like, if their name is a thing, they just, like, have two versions of that thing, like, <laughs> attached to their body. Okay, so describe Nugget to me, please. Oh, instead of having eyes, he has a two-piece McNugget. Yeah, in the he just has like face. two nuggets on his shoulders, and when he puts on a jacket, it looks like he's wearing shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking big nuggets. <laughs> big nuggets? <laughs> You're like, oh, like, like shoulder pads. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm imagining. Like... Did okay? Wait, did Maggot not have two big maggots outside of his body? Oh, he did, did have I make two big maggots? <laughs> no, you were correct that Maggot had two large. <laughs> yeah, I'm imagining the thing like. A large version of the thing just like on the body somewhere. Wait, you're imagining a large version of the thing? He was in the Fantastic Four. Completely wrong uh, <laughs> set of superheroes. Um, Nugget. I'd say no. All right, you, you guys real. are correct, but uh, I okay. like your version. But I think we are correct. I'm correct about what he is. He just like has Nugget shoulder pads. Your answer was not like real or fake. It was no. So this is smash or pass for you. And it's... Uh, <laughs> Real is that not what we're playing? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Nugget would not. Pass on Maggot. <laughs> All right. How about Punk Buster? Punk Buster. Who are you going to call, of course? <laughs> punk um, Buster. That so sounds... <laughs> it sounds like a real superhero, but my problem is it wouldn't be like a mutation, right? Like, that's just like a, you know, a, a war on drugs cop from the 80s that wants <laughs> yeah, to, like, bust Yeah, he's like punks. a character from Dare. Yeah. Does Dare have characters? Yeah. <laughs> Does Dare have X? Isn't McGruff in the Dare cinematic universe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. When Dare. are we getting Judge a McGruff Dredd, the crime dog movie? Uh, voiced by Chris Pratt. It's like a it's like a noir. Like he's he's off the force. McGruff. Uh, that sounds not. Oh, but it, it's it gets like the Bel Air treatment where it's like I mean McGruff is already I guess if it's drug fighting. Already, already gritty, but they make it like really gritty. Like it's like an HBO show. Oh yeah, he's like divorced. He's like maybe I mean maybe he's an addict himself, even though he's trying Ooh. to keep drugs off the street. But, but he's relapsing. Like, I want it to be like a Detective Pikachu kind of style thing, where it's like yeah, he's it's like the animated photorealistic thing. animated. Yeah. But I want it yeah. black and white. That can work. Do either of you have any connections with TV studios? We can get this off yeah, the ground. I'm, I'm actually think this is really good use of my time. I think okay, this is what I'm going to dedicate my life to this idea. <laughs> but Punk Buster, though, immediately strikes me as as generated. But I do, I do, yeah, want to. So is he just? He's the antagonist. To, no, he wouldn't be an antagonist to McGruff. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's like McGruff's like partner or whatever. Yeah, he's like life uh, partner. I don't know. You know, think, I, I think of him as like maybe the Punisher to Daredevil, and that like he's the like he's like well, like you know, if you become too obsessed with your quest for justice, you become like this psycho guy. Like Punk Buster's like beating the shit out of teenagers <laughs> and stuff. It's like, he, whoa, he busts Punk Buster, too man. many punks. You're going way too far. McGruff is like Punk Buster. You gotta let this one punk go. He's like, I gotta bust him. Punk Buster's going up to random kids and making them smoke the whole pack, even if they weren't smoking in the first place. Yeah, he's just become completely deranged. Like that's entrapment, Punk Buster. You're off the rails. Yeah, he's like an ex-cop who's like off the force for (laughs) for excessive force uh, somehow. And, but he's uh, the best at busting punks, so McGruff has to go back to him for one last job. Oh, yeah, they have an 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 uneasy alliance. Oh yeah. This is all to say. So I'm guessing, yeah, actually, I've turned all the way around. This is a real action. (laughs) (laughs) This was just your, you're trying to get your pitch in for this gritty McGruff reboot. 
is is that God, makes it sound like gritty somewhere. the mascot is last name is mcgruff gritty mcgruff there are life partners actually that okay, gritty yeah. is like oh gritty serves the purpose of the in the the like hard-boiled crime drama of like the partner who's at home and is like mcgruff you're never home <laughs> but it's gritty i'm sorry when you say gritty you're, you're saying that gritty took mcgruff is his last name and, and gritty took <laughs> yeah, mcgruff's yes, last course. name when they got married <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay. Actually, they hyphenated. That's the, it's Gritty McGruff. Oh, so Gritty's last name is Gritty as well. They, they both go by their last name. <laughs> their names were Gritty Gritty and McGruff McGruff, oh. I assume. So it's a Mario Mario situation. Now they're Gritty no, Gritty McGruff and Gritty McGruff and McGruff Gritty McGruff. I'm glad you're keeping track, yes. Okay, great. What is their kid's <laughs> name going to be? Gritty McGruff, Gritty McGruff. I, I don't think they can legally have kids. I don't think any state would allow. <laughs> I don't think they can biologically have kids. <laughs> they, they can biologically, legally. Legally <laughs> not allowed. <laughs> I'm sorry you were legally unable to conceive. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make us get punk buster on this. (laughs) Sorry, your future child would have been a punk. A punk. (laughs) Punk Gritty McGruff. Uh, So yeah, punk buster 100% real. I think we can agree. Okay, how about, what do you guys think about this X-Man? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I'm gonna need the truth. It's he was he was not real. He's not correct? real. I'm sorry. It is the you can yeah. I'm I can uh, I can believe a lot. Okay. There's a lot of things that I can be made to believe easily. All right. How I about believe this in one? Punkbuster. Eunice the Untouchable. Ooh. I feel like mm, she's just like, like too hot. Like you can't touch her. You'll burn yourself. Eunice the Untouchable. That's U N U S. Oh, oh, I was not spelling. Not, you know, I'm suddenly all the way back in. <laughs> I thought it was like an old lady name, like Eunice. And I was like, yeah. I'm not buying it. No, U-N-U-S, the untouchable. Capital oh. U. Oh, yeah. I feel like U. that. Well, it, it actually strikes me more of a professional wrestler name where it's got like a name <laughs> and then like the hat on the hat of having like the, the extra descriptor. But it, I, I feel like, you know, professional wrestlers and X-Men are basically the same, uh, same genre yeah. of naming convention. <laughs> I'm really floundering. Do you think on this she's just one. like it's just like she just belongs to the the Hindu caste untouchables? Like she's just a, a low caste. <laughs> You're just you know, I've like... hooked in that it's Eunice. By the way, that this is like a, a grandma named Eunice. Yeah. I corrected the spelling, but it was too late. <laughs> it's fine. No. Yeah, no. Or it, that. Well, it's that and that she was in that movie from a couple of years ago with like all oh, of the yeah. retired okay, yeah. um, Sylvester Stallones of the world. Yeah, so she's Wasn't trying to, it? like, break Prohibition. I, I, no. I think that's the Expendables. Oh, I think you're the, thinking of the Untouchables. The Untouchables is the Prohibition The Untouchables yeah. is, like, the 1990s Kevin Costner Prohibition You are correct. Movie. Yeah, when you said old <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, I was like, I don't remember him in that, but I'm sure she's right. He played Al Capone. He wasn't even that old in the 90s, but that's fine. <laughs> he played Kevin Costner in that movie. Oh, uh, right, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think this one is generated pretty... Clearly. So we got a split vote here? Or yeah, just... I'm saying real for sure. You're saying real? Okay. That's a wrestler I'm naming convention. Not... Uh, well, uh, Allison, I hate to tell you this again, but Justin is right. Uh, this is Eunice often the Untouchable how this game is a real. But I think I think you diagnosed it because it, it's a Silver Age villain from the X Men, yeah, from right. the original Uncanny X Men run when Stan Lee was writing it. And Ooh. Eunice the Untouchable does look kind of like a, a is, is of an era when Uh-oh. they were just sort of styled like wrestlers and acrobats. Oh, so Eunice the Untouchable okay. does okay. look like Eunice's power is that he he is just a guy. Well, he looks just like a guy. Yeah, he, she, you know. Yeah, if you want to find a uh, visual aid, Eunice is just a guy, 
And his deal is that he can create an impenetrable uh, force field around him, I believe. So the X-Men just can't get within a few feet of him. And he's just right. doing crimes. <laughs> and they just can't get near him. And they're like, within Damn. a few feet is very funny. Like, yeah, it's... so they can get near, they can yell at him. But they can't get close enough to him to stop him from doing anything. But and the way I, I guess say... he has to do all of his crime in that bubble, though, right? Like, well, the bubble travels like... with him, though, right? So he okay, can kind of like yeah. walk into a store, take something, and like walk a away. Fixed bubble. <laughs> well, what they eventually do is they just surround him and wait. And eventually, he's like, "I, I gotta go to the bathroom or like get a meal or something." And they oh, they, they do they like the CIA thing. They just like play like music outside until he's like, "Okay, fine, I'm coming out." <laughs> they, they just I kind really... of immobilize him until he puts the shield down, and they're like, "All right." <laughs> Got him. I like his um his booty shorts over the the red jumpsuit with the like pelvis st- like er, er, I guess it's not a pelvis style like it looks like a it's like rib cage. Yeah. That's kind of weird. It's like a rib cage design, but it's like on his pelvis. It's kind of abs, like almost not abs quite, but like I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a wrestler thing, right? It's like drawing on some muscles when you don't have like a great body. <laughs> so you just wear something that makes it look like you do. Yeah, I don't really know what that, unless that's like a menorah on his uh, <laughs> on his outer underwear scenario there. Outer underwear? Well, he's got the kind of like, sh- yeah. like, I don't know what that is, like almost boxers, shorts with a really high waist. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a type of garment they look. really haven't made since like the 40s and 50s that they've, they've kind of discontinued. Yeah, it also uh, looks like something you could get on like Shein. Yeah, <laughs> you know this what? Is, You're this absolutely is in like right. the early, yeah, exactly. Like, like very high up on the leg, but also high up on the waist. <laughs> yeah, very strange. Well, oh, I mean. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, this is like in the early 60s when they were still mimicking what superhero comics looked like in the 30s and 40s. And that's when they were like based on like acrobats who wore big like shorts over their t- to hold their tights up <laughs> with like, you know, uh, you know, a big chunky waist. I don't think waist. I ever realized that, that that was like the... That's why there's so many superheroes with like the outer underwear. Yeah, that's why that's why a lot of the earlier ones sense. have that because they're 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 designed to look like acrobats and elastic hadn't been invented yet. So you just put other pants over your pants or something like that, <laughs> which makes you wonder how the outer pants were holding holding up. But yeah, I guess they had a drawstring or something. Eunice walked so like modern Spider Man could run. <laughs> Eunice had a menorah on his pelvis. So that modern Spider-Man could, <laughs> could be Jewish. Could be Jewish. One of these days, maybe the fourth Spider-Man will be Jewish. All right, I'll give you guys another one. Um, okay, Maximus High School. Oh, that's a an absolutely Maximus fantastic name. Yeah, high school. Maximus one word. High school one word. Maximus High School, high school definitely one sounds. Word? High school is one word. <laughs> Well, what's it going to be, like hyphenated, his like his name. name was Maximus High and then he married someone named School? How many... Yeah, we can't keep doing these double-barreled surnames. Maximus High School. I think that sounds like a, you know, Back to the Future, Biff, like, That's uh, exactly high what I was imagining in my head. Villain. Yeah, he's like, too big. Like, oh, <laughs> Maximus high school. high school stole my lunch money again. <laughs> yeah. High school was hell for me because of my bully, Maximus High School. <laughs> So you see, like the ultimate high school student. I mean, like maybe in a like sit like a sitcom, like he he's like the guy with all the power, but nobody likes him because mm. he's just a bully. Yeah, like I'm right? Maximus High School. My dad invented high school, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like a snob. Okay. 
He's I don't think your name Maximus and you're down to earth. Right, like, I think you just yeah. go by Max. <laughs> Maybe he does. Have you ever actually talked to Maximus High School? He's actually really misunderstood. Everyone thinks just because the school was named after my father that I'm not, I don't have my own problems, but I really do. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be Maximus Dentist School. Punkbuster shot yeah, me. The- <laughs> I would love to see the arc when Maximus gra- High School graduates high school and has to like he you know he was the biggest guy in high school but then he goes to college and he's just like everybody else now there's nothing special about Maximus High School at Boston University little man on campus Maximus High School yeah, <laughs> yeah and then maybe that's like his villain origin like he feels mm. out of place he has to then like Maximus High School's like his you know his real human name and then that's where he comes up with whatever his his supervillain uh, I almost said persona, excuse me, persona. Yeah. Well, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know. Lots of ways to discover yourself in college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let them, you know, no, no need to lock things off right now. Just. <laughs> I, I do think this one is not real. It, yeah, if this one's real, like I've got to go back and explore superheroes. <laughs> no, you guys are right. There are a lot of weird X-Men characters, uh, but Maximus High School is in fact GPT-2 generated. Okay, how about uh, Mitch Pileggi? Mitch Pileggi? That's just a guy. Mitch Pileggi? That's just a guy? (laughs) You know, Jean Grey. I do love when they're, like, doing games like this where it's, like, we have a a data set of, like, weird words and then one of them is just a guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But maybe this is a guy. I feel like, like, this data set might just have, like, their human... They're, like, like, human names, yeah. Yeah. Well, then what would... I'll let you, I will let you know that there are two very popular X-Men characters, one named Jean Grey and another named Kitty Pride, who both just go by... And Emma Frost. Oh, but come on. Go by like, Kitty Pride is such like a... Also, first owner name, by the way, but also <laughs> just such a such an obvious, like, this only exists in superhero universes. Like, you would you would go by Catherine and, like, you know, mm. real... And, well, in the modern comics, she's going by Kate, I think, to be a little less uh, long, a little less I was cute. close enough. You're right. Kate Pride. Anyway, Mitch Pileggi. Um, Mitch Pileggi. Yeah, no, I, I think he's like low-key the most powerful X-Man and he can, uh, I think he's like undefeatable. I think he's like Superman where it's like he's just overwritten to be too strong. But he looks like just a guy. Like he looks like just. Yeah, under. yeah. He doesn't have like a fun costume. It's just like it's Clark no Kent on the outside, uh, yeah, Superman in the sheets. underwear on the inside. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now that you guys are both very close. Um, Mitch Pileggi is AI invented, uh, but also that is the name of uh, the actor who plays A.D. Skinner, Mulder's boss on the X-Files. So he is very much Whoa. a regular guy. <laughs> That, uh, we were kind of close, but also not at all close. That was in our that was in the AI output, though, so I chose to include. <laughs> we very canonically good, so. an X Man. Weird that it's all from the. That, that's all. There's a lot going on there. I don't know how to parse that. that. Yeah, that it's also an actor in a different fictional genre altogether, and like yeah, in another X thing. Oh yeah, so X Files. He is an X Man in a certain way of speaking. <laughs> An X Files maybe, man. Maybe, maybe there was some connection there that it. Uh, oh, a lot of X hyphen things are in this list, or something like that. Mm. And it, it miscalculated uh, that way. All right, do you guys want me to give you a couple more? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. How about I boy? I boy. E y e hyphen boy. Okay. Immediately, I think it's real. I think he's got two large eyes where his intestines should be. Where his shoulder. <laughs> He has, yeah, two down here, two up here. 
<laughs> I don't know why I've attached to this being where your outer thing where goes, your nuggets are. For, for the listening yeah. audience, Allison is sort of indicating oh. epaulets <laughs> like on your shoulder. My shoulders, yeah. Yeah, two, two big on eyeballs on his shoulder. No, yeah. like, what do you think Eye Boy's like thing is then, Allison? Is he good or bad? Like, is he fighting crime or causing it? I mean, what do you do with big eyes? Well, a lot of stuff. I <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> what those eyes do? I listen to I listen to a lot of media where like big eyes are the villains. <laughs> what do you just like, like rewatch the examples. great Ga- like reread Great Gatsby again and again? And you're like oh, the eyes. Uh, I just I there's this I feel like there's this trend in audio dramas for some reason for like eye imagery to be like the big bad in the end. I don't know. I think it's a lot of like inspiration you just read a lot of like Tim Burton hit pieces. <laughs> They're not like. Big. I guess I did say big eyes, but it's not like, like oh, big like corporate, like big like in the pocket of big eyes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The eyeball you industry. Yeah. yeah. Is the is the um. all of these stories? <laughs> yeah. No, I think Eye Boy must be like good at like see- seeing crimes happen because he he's got a lot of eyes. The fact that he's a boy makes me think, yeah, like that he's he's benevolent. He's not like I man. <laughs> Like, I feel like I man has nefarious intentions, but surely that's just a, an aging thing. Like he will one day be I man. <laughs> I don't think he will ever be I man. I boy is his identity, identity even indentity, his identity. Nice. Okay, you guys yeah. are right. I boy is real. I boy is do? an X man with eyeballs all over his body. All over. All over. I boy is an X man with eyeballs all over Ooh. his body. I gotta see this. Yeah, you can't can't sneak uh, crimes past him. He's got eyeballs all You're over. You're not wrong. They have gone on to reveal that some of those eyes see, I think, microscopically. Some of them see radio waves. So you're you're right. He's a, a, a internal surveillance tool. But Justin, you were also right because I believe there is at least one story in which they flash to the future, and he has become I Man. Uh-huh. So, no. He does become <laughs> I Man. Perpetually, he becomes actualized. I'm looking at this guy. I cannot, I cannot explain how close he looks (laughs) to like so much cosplay I see on TikTok of like characters and podcasts I listen to. He is. (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like I could just draw like three eyes on myself and I could cosplay this guy so easy. You 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 have the same hair for sure. You are like an eyeless eye boy right now. Look, I do have two eyes for the the listening audience. Real impressive. Look at a picture of eye boy and tell me if you give a shit about two eyes anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have them all over my body. Good God. <laughs> Mine are localized entirely to my face. Localized. Pathetic. Localized. Realized. <laughs> but yeah, you could do some googly slash just tape on eyes vertically on your face. Oh, and yeah. Then, uh, you, you, yeah, you got Halloween sort I'm of gonna, Yeah, I'm going to buy like a little package of googly eyes, stick them on myself, and just like go down to like the mall and be like, hey, hey who am I? Who am I? And people are going to make like, sir, it's not a no day where we do this. Idea. It's not a day where people do this. <laughs> this isn't a place for that kind of stuff. Yeah, we recognize then, uh, that there are places the where this is normal. Them. This isn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'm aware yeah. of cosplay. Just not, You're not supposed to be doing cosplay here. It is a place where cosplay is highly recognized. They just don't want yours. No, yeah, like, please we, stop. <laughs> I, rec- I know exactly who you are. I'm a huge X-Men like fan, store. but I will not humor you by answering. <laughs> yeah, there's not even like a comic book shop in the mall here. Like, you just... 
<laughs> this is the all these court. kids think There's they can just stick eyes on their bodies and call themselves Eye Man, while us real fans out here are doing actual cosplay. <laughs> oh no, I'd be talked down to. They'd be like, "You're far too old. You are you are Eye Man." He only You're does I that Man, in actually? one episode where <laughs> he flashes forward. You are no Eye Boy. I'm so sick of all this. All these Eye Man cosplayers using sex to get attention. <laughs> it used to More be unrealistic eye boy. beauty standards. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so sick of all of all these these like uh, eye candy uh, eye man <laughs> cosplayers. Oh, uh, you know, I could get a bag of I, again. This only works on Halloween where they're selling eyeball candy, but then yeah, mm. it could also be popping eyes into my mouth at the same time. I don't think that's a thing. Eyes. I don't think he eats eyeballs. You know what? I don't know why I thought he did. I, I don't think his entire I don't think that's part of the story. Like, <laughs> eats that's how he, like, he eyes. kills people what and eats their eat? eyeballs, and that's what. And then they pop up on his skin somewhere. Wait, he grew them himself? I thought he stole I them. I mean, how do you think Nugget became Nugget? <laughs> That's a good he point. He ate the 50 McNugget challenge. <laughs> How do you in think Maggot became Maggot? At a certain point, there was just a certain percentage of Nugget that, that his body sort of metabolized <laughs> it that way in, into epaulets. Okay, what do you guys think about this one? Blair Witch. You think that's real? Like, for copyright purposes, like, <laughs> it couldn't be or could it? Is the Blair Witch just like a... Allison, you're more tapped into the cryptid scene than I am. Is the Blair I, I Witch mean, like I'm, a generic I'm, product and like everyone can have their own trademark Blair Witch? I don't Witch? think so. A Blair, I'm, I don't know much about the Blair Witch franchise. Like, like Aladdin fair. where there's I like did, Disney's but... Aladdin, but then there's just like. <laughs> I Aladdin. don't think that's the way it is. But okay. I, And so I also don't, this is maybe an uneducated thought, but like I don't think that Blair Witch preceded the Blair Witch project. <laughs> like, I don't think so. so yeah, that would have like, been weird if that like the found footage horror movie was called like the Kitty Pride Project and just like <laughs> completely unrelated to this existing character. We're making a same name character. Or like it's like I'm saying like I, I don't categorize like the Blair Witch as like a cryptid. Like it's not like it was like the Bigfoot Project where like Bigfoot <laughs> okay. is a like, <laughs> you know, property that can the be... bigfoot project again sounds like a gritty dark reboot of like a beloved childhood <laughs> figure by the way a gritty mcgruff reboot <laughs> a gruff. yeah their studio yeah <laughs> oh i'd love that yeah so i i gotta say i i have a feeling gpt spit this one out just from you know its brain you are I, correct I fear so as well. this is a bad ai guess at what is a superhero <laughs> okay but if that's a bad ai guess what do you guys think about this one Glen Gary, Glen Ross, <laughs> real X Men, <laughs> always be X. That one, it, yeah, the, the 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 play was it a play first? Yep, was yep, based on the X Men. Yeah, that's that's definitely yeah. the X Men came first on that one. Yeah, it was originally Glen Gary, Glen Wolverine, but then they they punched it up. <laughs> Glen Gary, Glen Gritty, <laughs> Yeah, you're. Yeah, that's that's a good connection. I would say. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I would like to talk about what he might what he might be if he were a real X Men. Okay, yeah. Let's assume assuming that like David Mamet has licensed this to Marvel yeah. Comics. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, a lot of maybe no, you guys assuming don't notice... that Stan Lee licensed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right to David Mamet for the play. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of old, more so in DC Comics, but a lot of comic book characters that exist in sort of the modern DC universe are that the ruthless giant that was DC Comics or whatever they used to be called purchased struggling comic book, like defeated and purchased their competition. 
So okay, all of the yeah. characters from their competition, they would then fold into their own continuity. Oh. Um, so I do like the idea, you know, that that, <laughs> that, that as this has continued <laughs> to happen, they purchased like, you know, the, from the Mamet estate, they purchased like David Mamet's first 40 plays. And like, <laughs> you know, like the, like the lesser works of like John Cassavetes are now uh, in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I, just like different um, media properties like that. <laughs> so Glenn Gary Glenn Ross just ends up on the X Men because it was available. yeah. So like he just that's just it is it is what it is. It's There's making me wish the whole like Disney Marvel thing went the other way where like Marvel bought the Disney catalog. So then it was yeah, just like Wolverine beating the shit out of like you know the seven it was dwarfs like or something. Marvel but Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could go. You know, I mean, it's just, that's any Disney product, right? So you could have like like you know Wolverine versus Homeward Bound. You could have. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd, like be surprised you you'd be surprised you win. You'd be surprised. Yeah, wait. Let's hear it out. Yeah, <laughs> those animals had an incredible sense of direction. They they overcame some shit. Yeah, no, I I like that. I, I like the idea that Glenn Gary Glenn Ross was just like a crossover, like pulpy kind of comic where they're like, we don't really have like a a, a big storyline for this, so let's just do a weird one where like the X Men are trying to buy a new place for their, I don't know, like X Island or whatever. Like they just need a new compound. So they just went to a real estate salesman. Well, right now in the current continuity, the the main story is that the X-Men have relocated to the island of Krakoa where they formed their own nation. So I actually, I like your idea that there's a, there's like a, a strong real estate component to modern, to modern X-Men. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm sure like trade mag, like I'm sure all print is dying right now. So it's not just like print comic books or like they're kind of having their own revival. But I'm sure like real estate trade magazines are probably really hurting. <laughs> they could probably really stand to have some superheroes in there. Like like four pages of illustrated matter in the middle. Like gl- exactly. Four glossy yeah. pages of X-Men real estate <laughs> conflicts. Yeah, I, I think that would get uh, get the trade magazine. Yeah, they again. would have they would have comic book fans eating them like eating them up. They'd be like, you know, rushing to the store to get the new. Oh yeah, I got a first edition uh, real estate quarterly. Yeah, exactly. I really also just love that the characters. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is not a person <laughs> in the play. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. There's like the names of properties. So I like I like that the character is the essence of like it's like. <laughs> You know, in, let me introduce them to my new friend, Freddy versus Jason. Because <laughs> like, the studio bought that property. <laughs> you really think the studio can be bothered to to read the yeah, whole play or to watch than... a whole production? Or or they can't, they know, but it's the brand that they purchased. So it's like, sure, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the moneymaker the here is that we bought this trademark, so we are going to use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And like some some executive was like, "Wait, what? That's not the name of the like the guy? The, no, the guy's Glenn Gary, Glenn no, Ross. Alec like, Baldwin. He's Glenn yeah, Gary. I, I yeah, know Glenn him. Gar- <laughs> what do you mean the guy's got a? No one knows that name. Like, so he. So this one's real, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, we've we've explained how a lot of publishing mergers work in order to get here. But yeah. Yes, that is is absolutely real. Great. Yeah, this show wasn't niche enough, so we decided to get into publishing mergers as like an extra nicheness to this this whole thing. A computational creativity and publishing mergers podcast. People's eyes kind of glaze over when I talk about machine learning, and so I just decided to find another topic, which is the history, <laughs> the like uh, business history of Marvel Comics, to really spice things up. <laughs> One of my other expertises. Um, so, what do you guys think about Fat Guy? Do you think that's a real X Men? <laughs> that's gotta be Fat real. Guy. <laughs> Uh, I think, I think it, it probably comes from a time where, like, yeah. I don't know, it it was still kind of an insult, but it was more like 
Uh, hey, look at Fatso over here. Look at that guy. He, yeah, he's like a, he's like a, <laughs> he's like a jazz musician. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like half of all jazz pianists were called like Fats something Fat or something, other. Yeah. yeah. Or like tubby or whatever, tubby, yeah. And he, yeah, that actually, I really like the idea. I, I always love a story where it's like someone has like a supernatural power, but it like is tied to music and like the effect of music. So I like the, I like the idea of this guy being like just a, you know, he can transfix you with his golden fingies. Yeah, on he he plays a syncopated <laughs> beat and then Punk Buster beats the shit out of him. <laughs> Non-compliant music detected. <laughs> exactly. I like the idea that this 1920s jazz musician and punk buster are contemporaries, though. <laughs> uh, what were the the jazzies were uh, the punks of their day? You don't think that punk buster can time travel? I think that's his whole thing. He's like wants you know, to eradicate punks throughout time. Oh, he's going back to like the non original punk. time signature detected. <laughs> I like that we're also all agreeing he is RoboCop. Also, like, <laughs> he kind of yeah. He can, well, I, I think that he is, like, I don't know if he's actually a robot. I think that he's, like, become so, like, uh, militaristic and, yeah. like, uh, mm. like lost any human part of himself Loses that he all sort of speaks yeah. in, that, in that way. Also, maybe he's got, like, implants that make him sound more robotic, too. Like, <laughs> you know, he, he, oh, yeah, maybe he got some kind of, maybe he was injured as a cop for being too extreme. And mm. then uh, when, in the recovery, he got some kind of like uh, cyborgish implants. He was injured by a punk, and now he's got to get <laughs> yeah. get rid of all the punks. An injury that he history. blames on a punk, but really the punk was like yes. saving him or something, and he can't. Really, admit it was gritty. McGruff was like, like he blames on a punk, but really McGruff it was like a scene gritty. kid. But he can't really tell the difference between alt subcultures. Oh yeah, he's really really not. They're all they're all punks to him. <laughs> he's really a twenties jazz musician. <laughs> <laughs> but he's losing his humanity as he as he you know becomes more more and more machine in his quest for uh, his maligned concept of justice. <laughs> I I could believe it being real. And, yeah, uh, I'm terrified that there's going to be like he was like a mutant because he was like morbidly fat. obese, but like <laughs> yeah. at the, by 40s standards, it was like he weighs 180 pounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I will tell you guys right now. Do you want to know the answer? Of course. Yes. Uh, fat guy is not real. Fat guy is, okay. is an AI. He can't hurt you. <laughs> fat guy is just a story. <laughs> I know. I know it felt like it was real, but you were dreaming. <laughs> no, he can't. Couldn't come in here. Couldn't come in the house. We wouldn't let him. Not, we, but, he, but even if he were locked. real, we wouldn't open the door. But he's not real. Look, Maggot's here. He'll keep Maggot's you safe. <laughs> if fat guy was real, Punk Buster would shoot him. You're okay. <laughs> Punk Buster's out there. Okay. Always out there. Screaming outside the window. That's what that is. That's why you can't sleep. I understand. All those gunshots are also probably Punk Buster. Oh, yeah. Punk Buster does not need a siren, by the way. He just what sounded like a grenade. Yeah, he just shrieks. <laughs> it's weird that he is like, he has like a very robotic voice and then it's just like, ah. He's he's Sometimes. modified so that he can be la- he can shout louder than any other human being. It does hurt him though. Really bad. <laughs> yeah, he does it hurts him every time, but he does keep doing it. There there are X Men named uh, Blob, who is like a okay. big fat guy. Okay, uh, and like you know, you punch him and your arm just goes in, and it doesn't hurt him at all. Like he can absorb okay. kinetic energy. I think that's his thing. And okay. then uh, there's also, and I don't know as much about this character. But uh, there's a character named Strong Guy. Oh. Who, uh, so you can see. I think I know a lot about him already. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a kind of what it says on the tin scenario. Not a boy. He's a guy. Yeah. yeah. Formerly Very strong boy. Distinctive. There's yeah. also a character named Glob Herman. Who's kind of no like relation a, a, to Glob. To Blob. <laughs> to blob. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, those are... Sorry. My bad. Blob with a B. It's probably very Glob offensive Herman. that I mix them up. Uh, they, yeah, Glob I assume Herman. they don't like that. I, I gotta see Glob Herman. Yeah, you do. Please. Once again, sounds like a, a jazz musician. I was about to describe it, but I'd rather have Allison describe oh. what she sees. Oh, I love Glob Ooh. Herman, actually. Please, yeah, describe Tell this to us. <laughs> is a, um, I'm gonna start with my favorite part. He he's a skeleton. <laughs> well, I guess he's like he has organs. It looks like too, or he's it looks like it he all, has a skeleton baby. and then intestines in the picture I'm looking at, and that's it. Not a lot of organs. And then yeah. he is uh, the outer casing of his body is just like a big bulbous Mister Blobby looking pink goo. But I gotta say, I really like his eye placement. I, I love that you can see the whole skeleton. Why are the eyes so far and high above his <laughs> skeletal eyes? They're so out of the skeleton. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's got the connective, like, whatever cords behind the eyes. And he... Yeah. But they, but because so, he's in a big goo thing, they still need to be at the surface. So they're, like, way he, in front of his... It's very unsettling. One of the pictures that I keep seeing is him holding a big plate of sandwiches. So I'm guessing this guy likes to eat, which is why he has intestines. No, look behind him. He's in a kitchen. I think he works in, like, a diner. I know, but he has... I'm, I'm trying to understand why like, he sure, has, like, he likes skeleton and just intestines. You think it's just intestines? I'm looking at an angle where it looks like he's got lungs behind the, there. I would say... And I, and I agree that I that's do not, not see lungs. Organs. So he does not have. Oh, I see I one picture. I think it depends on the, the era, on the art representation. Yeah, the, the intestines are very clear. I do think that there they're would always be other, there. They're, they're like no one's drawing his gallbladder, for example. <laughs> or like no one would know where to draw it. Yeah, that's so true. Also, is anyone no. else getting like grimace vibes off of him? Like if you if you yeah. made a translucent grimace, I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> really unsettling to think about the grimace's skeleton. <laughs> he would be holding it, a big he, plate of sandwiches. It looks just like ours with some intestines. What if Grimace was one of us? <laughs> he is uh, I like that he kept his, uh, assuming that's his human last name, but added his like mutant <laughs> first name. His name was Bob. Yeah, he was a student at the uh, Xavier School. Uh, I don't know that okay. he ever becomes officially an X-Man. Does that he's, mean he's like not a mutant? He's just like studying to become one? No, it's like he's a teenager <laughs> who is learning to control his powers. Oh, he's but iBoy is a true mutant. <laughs> no, I think I, I think iBoy is also like... a student as well. Oh, they're all okay, mutants. Right, okay. So, okay, wait. I, I feel like I'm understanding the distinction. It's like they're all mutants, but like they don't become an X-Man until you like get your diploma. Uh, yeah, kind of. There's no real diploma, okay. but the, basically... They're like a mutant is like something when you have this gene and some and it manifests as uh, a either a cool power or a weird thing or a physical deformity. <laughs> a lot of it is about people who have like something that went wrong, but like learning to use it as a power, using yeah. use it as something good. Got it. Like uh, you know, Cyclops has to wear the visor, otherwise his eyes will shoot beams and kill people. He can't control it. Um, so you know, it's things like that. So you go to school to learn to wear a hat. <laughs> to, yeah, to wear a hat, you know, or maybe it's, a, in Glob Herman's case, a trench coat. <laughs> um, 
a trench coat. That yeah, would, some of us just need different I would say that would solve attire. some problems, but like the head still's got a lot going on up there. Well, I think I think he makes a decision to not hide it because he's very clearly oh, like nude. Oh, good for him. To not wear any clothes at all, yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot there's... of like teenagers who are at the mansion learning like to be, to control their powers and presumably like history and other things like that. And then there are the ones who are like the X-Men who go out on missions and they've trained and that oh, kind of thing. Oh, okay. And when it started, the ones you guys would name, like Cyclops yeah. and, uh, well, not Wolverine, but a lot of them, like they were all teenagers at the Xavier School. That's the original Got premise. It. And then they are grown up now. And there are other characters like Glob who are learning to control their powers. His power, I assume, being kind of like a big squishy guy uh, yeah, yeah like, again is like, this thing this like you can punch him, him and your fist sinks in because how is he differentiating I'm not from sure I think, I think he doesn't have maybe he doesn't have like pain receptors on his skin or something so he's powers like, really... he's like kind of gross looking to <laughs> yeah he kind of freaks people out <laughs> like, a little bit it says he's a living wax wax leaving huh. a skeleton exposed that does not so look he's like, like weak either. to sunlight bioparaffin is... or living wax hmm yeah, there's a lot of science that you in the X Men where you got to be like, yeah, that makes sense. No worries. Now that he's wax, I'm like, man, I really want to touch him. <laughs> you didn't before. Not really. You he's thought he too... was just pink goop. I thought he was gooey. I think he like, may waxy. still be gooey. Yeah, like if he's well, out like, in the yeah. sun, well, he's gonna be heated, soft. Heated, like you know, the wax is warm. Imagine that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Does he get offended oh, by like the concept of Madame Tussauds? Like, is he like, oh come on, like, That's like we wax people don't look like that. We we look more like me. <laughs> wax people don't look like the queen. <laughs> they look like the glob. All right, I'll give you one more. Actually, you know what I want to do, if that's okay with you? I want to just give you guys this list, and I want you to pick your favorite of the of the. Yeah, Rangers. please. Gladly. Because there's a few left, and I thought that would be fun. So these are, these are all the AI ones that I brought today. So you've seen some of these. <laughs> Greddy. One of them was Greddy. G-R-E-D-D-Y. <laughs> all right, yeah, I've got a couple I could talk Ooh, about. You can oh, pick yeah. which one you want, I've Allison. I've got a couple. Um, <laughs> I can't even. You know what? Mortician just speaks to me. I gotta, I gotta assume he just a mortician, or you know, or is it like a um? I wonder if he has a like pushing daisies type uh power where okay, it's now like you're he thinking bring him back to life and then <laughs> put him back to sleep. I yeah, guess. wait, the and the only way his power is bad is if he's a mortician, like the one person who's not supposed to bring the body back to life. He's like, I <laughs> he should have like, been a doctor. It, but it was like the family business. He He's like, well, yeah. Yeah, like his, we already had family. closure. Why did you bring her back? <laughs> I didn't mean to. I forgot my gloves. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, my understanding of these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my understanding of the X-Men now is just like all of them are people who need to learn to wear the correct protective uh, Put PPE. Put some clothes on, for yes. God's sake. Don't shame Glob, Herman. <laughs> Let that bioparaffin get some Free. sun. Yeah. <laughs> Feel the breeze on your bioparaffin. Give that pink paraffin some air. What are you thinking, Justin? So about Mortician or what's my, what are some of my favorites? What's your favorite? Uh, I mean, I like Lizard Ripper because I'm imagining he's just like the worst pet shop employee ever. No. <laughs> like here's your gecko. I, do, oh, I love geez. the phenomenon of like somebody who has a power and they work in like the exact wrong place for their power. Yeah, if he had worked as a Mortician quit. and Mortician had worked at the pet store, neither of them would have had any Not difficulties whatsoever. Yeah. I think the thing that you guys need to remember to do 
uh, in these X Men characters you're creating is uh, you're doing a great thing of figuring great job of figuring out the mutation and then how it made their life go wrong. But you need to close the story arc, which is how did Mortician's <laughs> power, which is you know, so Mortician was a mortician and it was you know ruining their job. How did Mortician turn it around? Like Glob Herman, you know, and and, and uh, right. learned yeah, to benefit so Mortician, from their power. You you mentioned that at at Xavier Academy or whatever, they also they don't just take like superhero classes; they take like history and stuff. I think yeah. Mortician's like taking the MCATs there. Like I think he's trying to become a surgeon through the like the perfectly accredited uh, Xavier Medical Ooh. School. Because that actually like working as a, a if as like a surgeon like something goes wrong on the operating table like <laughs> what we want yeah he doesn't even need to be a surgeon i guess he could just be like the billing department in the hospital just like call him up when like someone's flatlining do you do you need to take the mcats to work in the billing well department that's what i'm saying he's wasting his time like he should have just got like an undergrad degree <laughs> so you think he is in school but you think it's it's kind of misguided yeah, yeah, no, I think he's got like a, he, he sees this like high calling for himself and he's like, oh, if I'm saving people, if I'm a literal god, I need to get a doctorate to do it. But like, nah, man, like just like live, live your truth. Go, go like uh, mop floors at the hospital and bring people back when they die. That's nice. I think Mortician yeah. is a side character in the Gritty McGruff uh, reboot <laughs> where he's like, mm. you know, he's like, I had to call a guy, like it looked like a suicide. So I had to call in a guy I knew and he like talks to like, you know, get he lets McGruff question the dead, like the, oh, the, the John I Doe love that. for like two more minutes and he gets mm-hmm. some answers out of him. Isn't that the, uh, it was, it was, it was Medium that show was where she could like bring back the dead bodies and talk to them? Medium, she was a medium. Well, yeah, but like, wasn't she like a medium detective? (laughs) She, oh shit. Doesn't sound like you're remembering that right, Allison. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely watched, like I saw a bit of that show because I'm pretty sure it came on after Ghost Whisperer in 2006. Am I thinking of Ghost Whisperer? Was she a detective? I mean, she was just also a medium. I think she just like saw ghosts and like was like, What's your problem? Why can't you just go into the light and then like help them go into the light? I think uh, you're thinking okay. of Long Island Medium. Um, <laughs> I think you're thinking. Was she yeah. a ghost ripper? I mean, no, she's a lizard ripper. <laughs> Unrelated to to the speaking to the dead. <laughs> to the whole thing. So wait, that's how Mortician solves his problem. But Allison, how does Lizard Ripper make lizard ripping a, a pro-social behavior? <laughs> Oh, well, okay. I did say we were we you had gone to phase two in this character, but I actually am not certain what this character's mutation is. What, what yeah, is why does he have what, to? Ripple Lizard Ripper didn't have this. Didn't have a this small power, tumor and then went on puberty. his uh, cerebral cortex that makes him always want to rip lizards, and I must said lip lizards. Uh, he wants to do some of that too. Yeah, it's like he sees a lizard. He's gotta rip it. I yeah, assume it's like a compulsion or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's like he's got both hands or like alien hands. Like he can't control either if he's got a lizard. Yeah. But yeah, so then what like what solves the problem other than just <laughs> avoiding lizards? Finding evil lizards? Yeah, it's not even Finding okay, evil there lizards. You go. Yeah, lizard what, what... Ripper versus Godzilla. <laughs> really good. Really good. Yeah, but... there's a kaiju attack or something and then and the only person who can save it like lizard lizard ripper goes into a fugue state. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and I'm assuming Lizard heart. Ripper is just like guy shaped, like he's oh, not yeah. that big. No, but no, somehow... it's like a person. You know, average he's actually on the short side. He's like five six. Yeah, <laughs> but he's kind of owning that now. He's kind of like yeah. yeah. I mean, you rip a kaiju in half one time, you're gonna you're gonna walk a little taller. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah. There's short kings, and then there's like short emperors. Like he is, <laughs> he's on another short level. Short emperors, <laughs> petite emperors. <laughs> 
Little Princess. <laughs> you got there. <laughs> yeah, Did I think we do fully it? understood. We... Yeah, Lizard okay. Ripper has a mutation that causes him to have a violent rage towards lizards. Yeah. And no, because you're right. He could, you know, stay away from lizards, but that's not yeah. that's not the X Men yeah. arc. He needs to find yeah. a way to do good in society. Yeah. Turn that into a positive and find his role. He that's, could just put pretty... on an overcoat like everyone else, but no, <laughs> no, 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 no. He needs. Well, he, he does needs that to too. Be... That's also just... his whole his whole look. He wears he has one to because do good he wants in the world to. and be completely nude. Those are how you live your full truth. <laughs> the doctor man totally had no lizard rippers. Oh, really good. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nat, for providing us with the content of today's trashy toy because <laughs> you really went above and beyond as a guest oh, in uh, <laughs> in doing that. Most of our guests are just lazy, come here with nothing yeah. good to provide, but. <laughs> No, you went above and beyond that. Well, let the standard be set. <laughs> yeah, and thank you so much for joining us. We've had the best time. I'm speaking for me and Justin because I, okay I can time. see that look in his eyes. Yeah, he hasn't had a good time and he's about to say it, but I'm going to... I do like that I'm power gonna... move as a podcast host. Thank you for being here. You had a great time. All of us had a great time. You enjoyed this. We all definitely had a great time. And you'd be happy to do this again, so... Uh... You would, yeah. And you'll be back. <laughs> it's already on your Google calendar. When it's convenient uh... for us, that is... <laughs> Um, but yeah, is there anything that, I mean, aside from Botnik Studios, is there anything you would like to shout out? Yeah, I, if first of all, like you said, Botnik Studios, we are at Botnik Studios on Twitter and Instagram and botnik.org, B-O-T-N-I-K. And if you go to botnik.org, you can play with uh, Voicebox, which is the writer tool we've been talking about. It's predictive text, and you can just upload any text document and turn it into a keyboard. And there's also a bunch of pre-programmed keyboards. So Play around with that and uh, tag us in your results if you post them to social media. We love seeing what people do. We love seeing uh, adaptations of our work as well. Just today, someone tweeted that uh, they painted a rock based on the Harry Potter piece. So no if way. you ever had your work adapted into a rock, I want you to know. Wow. <laughs> Feels pretty good. Yeah. Some people may be doing an interconnected series of films based on their work, which uh, <laughs> would be nice, I admit. But however, have has Kevin Feige... Uh, ever had his work adapted to a rock? I don't think so. So, Or has Kevin Feige ever produced a rock? I, and uh, I, I bet he can't. Do you want to share like your personal handle? Not like your personal handle. <laughs> yeah, you want to share like, like your personal, personal information? Number. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you the, um, yeah, the supermarket that I'm usually at and when I go shopping. <laughs> Uh, no, you can you can follow me. I'm 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 Nat Towson on on everything. It's N A T T O W S E N. Untraditional spelling because my ancestors cared about S E O. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for Botnik. We got a lot of exciting stuff that I can't yet talk about coming out later this year. And uh, we're we're cooking up a few projects right now that should be online uh, in the next month. So I'm excited for you guys to see all that stuff. We are so excited as well. Oh, yeah. I Yeah. If you're a fan of robots on typewriters in general, definitely make sure you're following Botnik stuff because all their uh, all their projects they've done before are going to be very up your alley. And I'm sure all of their future projects will be very interesting to you as well. Thank you. And I have one last thing to say, which is that uh, if you are in the New York City metro area or uh, I am. or, or uh, a, a state or city that is conveniently accessible to the New you York City metro Allison area. You can meet Allison in person. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I, I'm about to reveal her address. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. C-Town. Um, 
It's a local supermarket chain. If you are in the New York metro area, I, uh, resuming in March, host a show every Thursday night, uh, stand-up comedy, every Thursday night at 7 p.m. at Caveat, which is a really fun uh, venue in the Lower East Side in Manhattan. So every Thursday at 7, show returns uh, this March 3rd with uh, headliner Janine Garofalo. And then uh, we've got a lot of other fun shows planned for the rest of March uh, until the next time I decide to stop doing stand-up comedy. So Man, I might you might see me at one of those. You gotta go. Super yeah, fun. you gotta go. Yeah. You've been doxxed. Where else are you going to go? <laughs> you, yeah, <laughs> I, I will, go I will I publish your address. <laughs> I have it, and I have the account for this show. So Also, I do love that I was like, Haha, what if I told people a location where they could regularly find me and uh, <laughs> just publicly, you know, any stranger could find and my body. And say- then 28 seconds later, it was like, but literally, I'll, I'll be here. My guard will be down. <laughs> Every week. say my guard will be Janine Garofalo. And my guard like, will be she Janine. Can people. She's distractible. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, thank you again so much for coming. And um, if you want to get into contact with us, you can do that by email at robots at backcamp.org, or you can follow us on Twitter at robot typewriter. And uh, we have a theme song, and it's called Video Challenge by Anamanaguchi. And if you're looking for a schlocky movie to watch this weekend, check out Vlad Blood. (laughs) The newest X-Men movie. Vlad Blood is really good, actually. You didn't even cover that. Vlad Blood Beginnings, the the origin story. Vlad Blood is like a um, CW adaptation of like Vlad the Impaler. He's like a vampire, but like... I thought it was going to be like, oh, like it's a CW, like a high school vampire. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He's like... like, We used to have Vlad Blood. (laughs) Well, that's the theme song. He's a Russian uh, exchange student. Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, and it's like a, yeah. It's like, where in Russia did you say you were from? And he's like, uh, I said, uh, yes, Russia. (laughs) And I assume his, his, one of his enemies is egg garlic. Egg garlic, all one (laughs) word. I like, there's something about egg being the first word that like is turning me off of it, even though it's a perfectly passable combo, (laughs) but I, I don't like that it implies that it's more egg heavy than garlic heavy. Yeah, it's not adding it. E-G-G-A-R-L-I-C. A garlic. A garlic. Yeah, it didn't even cross my mind as being an egg upon reading it. All right, well, stay safe out there. Punkbuster's looking for you. (laughs) You stay safe out there. (laughs) Punkbuster will be at Caveat on Thursday. There will be no drinking there. There will be no (laughs) drugs or crude humor. It will just be, you know, No Adam Sandler CDs will be played. (laughs) Exactly. Nothing untoward. Do you guys mind if I pause for just a second so I can get oh, more water? Yeah. Uh, it oh, is a fucking, yeah. like, terrarium. I'm dying in here. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you have, like, questions written up, or are you just, like, riffing? I'm just riffing. You are a good interviewer. Thank you. I've always prided myself. Not always. Uh, I was like, fuck, man. She actually, like, pre-work questions for this. No, <laughs> no. you're just this. No, you just talk it. to people sometimes and are genuinely interested <laughs> in what they have to say. <laughs> I'm like, mm, this is enough so about weird. This, like, she sounds like she's interested in talking to this guy. Enough about this, like interacting with other people. Let's talk about data sets. <laughs> yeah, I heard you say you found a bunch of text on the internet. Let's talk about. <laughs> That's that. the one thing I found interesting in anything you said. <laughs> yeah, you can keep that in. <laughs> Again, yeah. Who is listening to the first, like, one fifty four? My first episode. Jumping right in. Yeah. Maybe someone is. <clears throat> Selena Gomez? 
I said, maybe someone is. Maybe Selena Gomez. <laughs> maybe Selena Gomez. She likes to start at 154. One taught me Janelle Shane. One taught me Max Wolf. One taught me Pain. <laughs> Do you think that's a Selena Gomez song? Oof. I don't now. That's Ariana Grande. <laughs> After I, I didn't think that that was a Selena Gomez song. I thought that Ariana Grande was Selena What's Gomez. Selena Gomez. Yes. Got it. <laughs>